What do you mean Mike is a climate skeptic all of a sudden? That is cold. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a pun. Um, I'll get you to defend your position because I stand by what I said. <laughs> Rob, we've talked about y-axes before. This is no exception. What do you mean? Just look at the graph. If these numbers aren't out of context. They're fully in context. It's just a poor data set to defend the argument that they're trying to make. Okay, so... I don't disagree with the premise of the argument. I disagree with how the data is presented. This graph is one I've seen before in past years, and they usually show it... Like, I've seen it in years, In past years, they had 2017's climate data already. I've seen it in in GIF form, where they include... Mm each new year as a separate right. frame yeah and so you, i don't disagree with that no, and wh- so listen, why though, it's happening listen, or anything like listen, that listen okay fine you, okay you see it year by year you see it going down and down and down lower and lower each year but it follows the same pattern right and then i've been watching it this year and in the fall when it's supposed to go up it just didn't it just short-circuited right. like it's a it's a big warning sign i'm not saying it's like the earth is melting, but it's it's not good. There's no way you could interpret that as a good sign for well, the climate. When you say legitimately terrifying, that sounds like it's legitimately terrifying. Fears. I don't know what's gonna happen. Like I, I'm not worried for my life, but the Earth's climate seems to be rapidly shifting, and that's one big sign of it is the global mm-hmm. sea ice. Right. And again, there's a like I said in the thing. There's a there's a point where it goes up. In the like in March, it goes up again. I'm really curious to see if it just doesn't again because it seems very plausible. Right. Like if you get runaway, um, runaway greenhouse effect, that's the kind of thing that would happen. There'd just be get warmer and warmer and warmer. Legitimately terrifying. Hey, we're back with another episode of Future Chat. Nick, we've been told is not going to be here today. Uh, I'm told he's going to Edmonton, so we did actually get signs of life from him this morning, Um, but he will not be here. That being said, I think, I don't know for sure, but I think without Nick to check us, we might drift into tech more than science, but but we'll have to see. (laughs) I I can almost guarantee that will happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whether it's intentional or not, that's a different story. Yeah, exactly. So the first off... um, we do have some follow-up. I want to start with the some follow-up from specifically last week. Um, and Mike, I'm going to go out of order here. So I want to hear your story of networking woes, following up from Nick's story of networking woes last week. So this isn't as related as I'd like, but I figured <laughs> it was appropriate to put in follow-up because I wanted to mention it sure. in case other people have had similar experience. But I guess tell us now, I talked before probably a year ago at this point Mm -hmm. or six months, maybe six months ago, um, how I was offered a six month discount on the internet 50 speeds, um, which offered 50 down 10 up 15 up. I think 10 to, I think 15 up is max, um, from the Telus 25 that I was on previous, which Mm -hmm. is 25 down and I think max five up. Okay. And, uh, so they called me two days ago. Saying, hey, so your discount's over, which I noticed on my last bill. Mm-hmm. It prorated the first part and put the regular rate of my internet 50 on the next part. And so they're like, oh, so yeah, you know, we, we can actually offer you another six-month discount. I'm like, oh, 
well, tell me more. Because <laughs> at first they're like, oh, well, how do you like it? I'm like, I actually really like the the faster speeds. Um, I definitely notice the faster uploads more than yeah. the uh, the downloads. Because 25 download, like that's right. generally good for streaming anyway. Like yeah. unless you have a ton of devices going at once, you're probably still okay with 25. Mm-hmm. Um, but the upload, you definitely notice if it's not up to speed. Yeah. So he's like, oh, you know, it's really good to hear. Uh, we can offer you another six month discount. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, tell me what you can do. So he said, okay, well, for $10 more than what I was paying on the first discount, he can give me the same thing plus unlimited data. So before I was paying 45, before I was paying 45 a month for the internet 50 mm. with, I th- believe, a data cap. Right. You said you were and continually then, going over by a tiny bit or like on a regular basis, on a semi-regular basis, you were going over, but not by a lot. Yeah, I, I think it still technically would have, I would have broken even doing the $10 yeah, a month exactly. for the Unlimited. Um, so he's like, okay, yeah, I can give you the, you know, $45 a month plus a $10 per month um, add-on mm-hmm. for, for the Unlimited data. I don't know if they would have given me just the same deal for another six months if I didn't take the Unlimited data. Sure. Like, I'm thinking about it now that I, because the $10 per month is actually what they charge for Unlimited data. Yeah. So they threw in an ex- the speed bump. So Kind of, yeah. but I, I don't know if that was a part of the deal or right. not. But either way, it's, it's still fine. Like, yeah. it's still cheaper than I would have been paying for the internet 25 at regular price. Yeah. So so they're still getting me hooked on the internet 50. <laughs> they're, they're turning me into a true believer of... And the way I justify it is, like, my life... And I'm not being hyperbolic here, <laughs> but my life, my life is centered around the internet. Oh, yeah. Like, I think everyone's, everyone's is, is for the most Whether part. Whether we realize it or I, not. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. So it's like, why wouldn't I make an investment and pay yeah. for something that I'm noticeably happier with? Like, if I'm going to cheap out on anything, why would it be the main thing in my life? Yeah. And again, I'm trying to not sound hyperbolic here, but I think I'm coming across as such. That's a fact. Um. No, no. I completely <laughs> agree with you. It is n- like, if all I have to do is try to think about, hey, I want to get together with five friends tonight. You don't have the internet. Go. I'd be like, um, what? <laughs> well, it's funny. Like, Nick and I were actually talking the other day how neither of us have each other's phone numbers. Right. But we've known each other and been friends for, <laughs> what, three years at this point? Two to three years? Yeah. Something around there. And, like, because I was trying to call him the other day, and I was like, I don't have his phone number. Right. So, I tried calling him on Hangouts, and I think he saw me call, but he figures a pocket dial. <clears throat> And then he tried calling me the other day when I was going to pick him up for something. And again, he didn't have my phone number. Yeah. It's like, whoa, yeah. like we're able to have <laughs> connection without phone numbers. Like who would have thought that would have been possible? Uh, I would have. <laughs> well, 15 years ago, who would have thought that would have been possible? Sure. Right. Um, so anyway, that's that's my story. So now I'm on, I'm still on internet 50. I was fully prepared to downgrade back yeah, to 25, yeah. but they called me up and said, hey, can we sign you up? I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. can. <laughs> Thank you for going. I would very much like that. Yeah, no, it was, it was actually a very positive uh, phone phone call. Right. I don't know what you call them, sales call, whatever experiences. Mm. Like, so he probably could have sold me a lot more given yeah, the attitude absolutely. I was in. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to say no to that. So anyway, that's that's what happened to me. So nice. that's my network update. I uh, I do want to say, you mentioned that you don't Nick don't know each other's phone numbers. If you told me that somehow through some bug or something that you both yours and Nick's phone numbers have been deleted from my address book somehow years ago, like in 2012, I would not have noticed. No. 
Uh, and it's different for me, I think, recently at least, with the two of you, because you are in a different province and I don't have unlimited calling. Not, But I would never have called either of you anyways, unless everything no. else wasn't working. That's the only reason yeah. I would ever consider it. I think, like, phone calling to me is what SMS is now. Yeah. Like, what I used to use phone calling before, I now use SMS yeah. for, and anything else I use anything else is something data different. stuff, yeah. right? So... I guess SMS is the next thing to go, hopefully. Okay, so actually this leads perfectly to an anecdote from last night. Um, We might be coming full circle, just spoiler alert. Because I was standing, we were having, I was having friends over, that's why that example sprung to mind. And I was standing in the grocery store and I was just like, what do people want to eat at our place? Mm -hmm. And had no idea, but I knew that we were all talking about it in a messenger thread. And since Messenger got multi-person video chats, I was like, oh, I'll just call and see what happened, what like what could happen and see if I can get suggestions for food. So I hit dial and within, I swear, within five seconds, there were six different, like everybody who was in that Messenger thread had picked up, two people were in the same apartment, both picked up separately in different rooms. And like we were just all of a sudden, all of a sudden, six of us were all talking face to face, like... I was on cellular, but everyone else was, as far as I know, everyone else was on Wi-Fi. Like we all had rock solid, perfect video and we just figured it out. And it was like the most fun. I was wandering around on speakerphone with a bunch of video (laughs) boxes on my phone. It was so cool. And I don't, I do, I still hate phone calls, but the reason I hate phone calls aren't because I don't want to see people's voice or hear people's voices or see people's faces. It's because having to pick a number and knowing you can only reach them on one device is really, really annoying. And so FaceTime is good, but it's not cross-platform. Allo Mm. would be good, but they did stupid things with it. Like Hangouts was pretty good, but not everyone had it. Facebook Messenger, if like all my friends use it, like they have it on their phones, they use it, they have it everywhere. So if I, if I send them a Facebook message, I know that everyone's going to get it reasonably. Like as soon as they would get any technological communication, they would get that. Mm-hmm. And so being able to do that and just everybody, even millennials with no attention spans, were just like, boom, instantly video. And there's something kind of cool about that. Yeah. Well, they they have now, like Maria's mom uses WhatsApp, which is for all types of purposes, Facebook Messenger. Yeah. Um, Who owns WhatsApp again? Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but she only uses it when she's on Wi-Fi. Like she doesn't have a data plan. And a lot of other people are in a similar position. They either have little to no data except for when they're on Mm Wi-Fi. Whereas in Latin America and uh, and many, many other places in the world, the cell providers will offer WhatsApp messaging as a part of the plan, even separate from the data plan. The way we have some video and some audio, like music subscriptions are included in the data. Yeah. Yeah, or back in the day when BlackBerry Messenger yeah. was included in BlackBerry mm-hmm. cell plans, um, because WhatsApp and that type of messaging is so ubiquitous in the world and it's so crucial to connectivity that people demand it mm-hmm. or or would greatly benefit from it. Like they'd be very lost, and even a lot of businesses will list like a WhatsApp, like they, right. they'll list that they have WhatsApp so that people can contact them through WhatsApp mm-hmm. because again, it's a part of their cell plans and they, they may have no minutes, but they'll have WhatsApp so they can still contact them. Right. So it's very interesting to see the technology moving that way where people just don't use or need phone numbers anymore. Right. 
I think it's for the better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah Still the, waiting for Google Voice to <laughs> to get here, but the the update that Google seemingly like teasingly confirmed is coming. Did you yeah. read that? I saw a headline about. It. I didn't even bother clicking because I'm like it's probably clickbait. Because well, so they there was a bug where someone clicked a voice, like someone got a little pop up that said like try the new beta or try the new voice in Google Voice on the web, and the link was broken. But then they reached out. Whoever in the press reached out to Google to confirm or deny. And they were like, they were like, oh, we'll be calling soon with some updates and like all these phone puns, and uh, there might be something coming legitimately. So that'd be really good. Yeah, I don't think it'll come to Canada, but right, we can hope. Yeah, we we will hope. <laughs> um, okay, so there's more follow up here. I I almost want to address this in order of importance, but maybe I don't. Um, this is mostly just a PSA. I was reading a story and it doesn't, I don't necessarily want to get into it as a full topic, but, um, in the U S there are people dying and there's specifically one that I, that I posted a link to here that will be in the notes. Um, this is a woman in Nevada dying of an antibiotic or an antibiotic resistant superbug that was resistant to everything a well-furnished hospital had to throw at it, which I just think is horrifying. It's like a fairly, fairly common thing to have happen is just get some random infection and nothing like we've been talking about this on on past episodes it's just like nothing we can do to fight these except try not to breed them even stronger um that did lead me reading this story did lead me down a little rabbit hole where i started looking at resistant antibiotics or yeah drug resistant drug resistant bugs and stronger antibiotics and apparently there's some work trying to be done with um i feel like it's almost like an equivalent to crispr where there's something something to do with a, a new peptide that makes um, antibiotics antibiotic activity more stronger again in antibiotics that have been defeated, and it does so. I believe it was using some kind of very specific gene editing technique for the antibiotic production or to make those peptides that work with antibiotics. And I just like if we don't develop these, if we don't put research money into developing these in the next maybe five or ten years we're going to have some outbreak of something that's more contagious than this woman's hmm. uh, whatever bacteria it was. And we're going to get back to the like 1900s right. relatively soon. This new procedure that you're talking about, mm -hmm. the gene editing, is that like an in situ process where they have yeah. to, they, after they've given the antibiotics to someone, they then do this process on the person no, to they, the antibiotics? I believe it was a process used to make these peptide molecules. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And then they administer the antibiotics yeah. after they've done the strengthened okay. and I think they would administer the peptides mm. as well. That was my understanding. Mm. Versus having to come up with an entirely new antibiotic. Exactly. Is it the okay? And I th and the I think the goal is it uses a kind of a separate mechanism, not not a different mechanism, but like it re-strengthens the antibiotics in a way that in a way that later on the the bacteria wouldn't become resistant to that process as well. Like it's mm. kind of it's independent of that process of antibiotic um, or sorry, bacterial resistance. So hopefully it would short circuit it, but I'm sure bacteria will find a way to continue to infect people in, in a drug resistant way. Hmm. It's a, yeah, it's a constant fight. Um, onto some, like that was just crazy and all, so I'll put a link so you can read that if you want, but that was just like the crazy thing that popped up that didn't necessarily merit a full discussion. Uh, we did tease, I forget, did I tease two weeks ago that I was going to talk about, 
Soylent. And then last week I said, I'm going to get it. And then I just, I was going to get it last Friday and then I didn't, and it was going to be Monday. So I have tried now the Soylent chocolate flavored cacao. <laughs> and oh boy, when I, I took my first sip on, I think it was Tuesday at lunch. That's dangerous. Mike, I gotta, I gotta warn you against <laughs> trying this because it tastes exactly like if you've ever had chocolate soy milk, I wouldn't, I don't know if it tastes exactly like chocolate milk, but it tastes very similar to chocolate milk, but it tastes almost exactly like chocolate soy milk. Mm-hmm. And it is really, really, really good. Like I could see, I could see myself drinking it because it's good, not because right. it's got nutrients in it. And right. that's at 400 calories a pop. That's really dangerous. <laughs> Well, see, and it's funny because when you talked about that, like when you mentioned that that's how you felt and ta- that's how it tasted, mm-hmm. that's exactly how I was able to get the 1.6 to taste. Okay. Like when when I had 1.6, it was A, too smooth for me. Like just the texture, it wasn't pleasant. Okay. Um, and it was too sweet. Mm-hmm. Like it was just sweetness. Yeah. And so I, I couldn't even choke it down. Like I just stopped drinking it. Huh. I just, I almost gag when I drank it. So then I'm like, oh, what can I do to fix this? So I'm like, okay, well, I tried adding like chocolate milk syrup to give it some flavor, which helped, but then it was like extra, extra sweet (laughs) yeah, because I didn't want to add more sugar and chocolatey syrup to it, right? (laughs) So it's like, okay, I'm I'm on the right track. I'm like, well, what's not sweet, but still good chocolate is okay. Well, cocoa. So I put some actual like cocoa powder Mm. into it, tried that. And then I was like, okay, this is good. But I was like, it could take, get to the next level with a banana. So I threw some banana in there. And then before I knew it, I had essentially a chocolate milkshake right. and it was delicious. <laughs> like I, I felt like I was drinking a chocolate milkshake and I, I essentially added little to no extra sugar calories. Like yeah. I added one banana for a pitcher's worth, mm-hmm. which isn't no, bad. It's, it's like almost it's, nothing. Yeah. So I, so I just modified it basically flavor wise right. and it helped the texture helped and texture, yeah. the sweetness and it was just perfect. Huh. Like if I let it sit 24 hours... Like you, you still can't really have it immediately after making it. Like it's still, it's fine, but it's best when you've let it sit for about 24 hours and it's like so good. Okay. And like I'll, when I pour myself a glass of that, I would just like chug it down. It's like delicious. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow, that was a whole meal. <laughs> I'm really interested to try nectar, but mm-hmm. I feel like it might be just as dangerous. <laughs> right. I don't, yeah, I don't know how that's going to feel. Like Maria ordered, I think she ordered some cacao. Okay. And she was curious about the nectar as well, but she was skeptical of it tasting good. Yeah. Just because, like, making things taste like fruit is Especially hard. something creamy like that. Yeah. It's, like, especially not adding fruit to yeah. it. You can right? get you can get good results. Like, creamsicles with fruit flavor are pretty good, but you can also <laughs> screw it up royally. Actually, that's a good point, because maybe it will taste more like a creamsicle. Yeah. Like, there, like, you can get a fruit smoothie as well that has yogurt or milk or something that it... It doesn't spell disaster, but you can definitely do it wrong. Right. Well, a fruit smoothie, though, has actual fruit. Right. Yeah, Creamsicle, yeah. Yeah, I think, true. is a better analogy, mm-hmm. right? The uh, Actually, when you mentioned your your renewal, your price renewal, and the fact that they offered you more of a thing for... Um, like if you added for six months, you could pay $10 more and get faster internet kept up and an additional unlimited data thing. Yeah. It reminded me of the Soylent ordering process for cacao because I already have a subscription for the regular Soylent. Um, and so they, they offer you a discount if you subscribe to Soylent, but you can pause the subscription whenever you want. 
but it doesn't actually pause it. It just pushes the date that they're going to ship it back. So inaction means that you will get Soylent and they will charge you for it. Even if, because you pause it at a predetermined right, you pause, of time, you, right? Pausing your subscription means like you, you, you tap X number of weeks you want to wait before it's delivered again. So they'll still give you the discount because mm-hmm. inaction on your part will cause an order to be placed as opposed to inaction meaning that you never get it again until you right. want it at some point in the future. So it's a really smart right. system to, to let them, you save a few dollars just by hanging on to it. You can just renew, like hold off the renewal indefinitely and still get that discount whenever you order it. But if you forget once, they'll send it to you. Right. I'm at, I'm at the point now where I'm realizing I was just thinking about it and I should probably not, I should probably cancel my subscription to the regular and continue my, like change my cacao to a subscription because it's so good. I might never need the regular 2.0 again. <laughs> right. But see, with the 2.0, I I don't know if I'd go with the cacao because like I enjoy. Exactly. That's what I'm, I enjoy the, I enjoy the lack of sweetness to the 2.0. Right. I, I'm torn. I'm of two minds in this yeah. because I feel the same way that I wouldn't necessarily want it to taste good all the time. Yeah. But I also love it. Right. It's like, should I order this candy to come on a monthly basis? Yes. Yes, I should. Right. Just for extra follow-up, Maria did try the 1.7 as well. Okay. And she she liked it. She she liked that they didn't change it too much okay. slash functionally at all right. from the 1.6. Um, she she didn't notice any difference in the texture of it. And... Uh, and the taste and the, the look of the powder is still the same. Okay. Um, which I guess means they did a good job. I guess. Of modifying it because the whole point of the 1.7 was to change it to not be sensitive or for people who were sensitive to 1.6 to be able to yeah. have 1.7. And this was the um, algal flower. I think so, yeah. 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 I, um, I did notice the cacao and the nectar both, I at least I believe when I looked at the ingredients, it, they didn't use the algal oil, but they mm-hmm. used sunflower oil, I think it was. So they've, I think they're, uh, they're shifting away from the algal, any algal ingredients, which they were, right. I think they were planning to do anyways, but yeah. Yeah. Or at least shifting away from that supplier. I think their eventual goal was to do everything with algae, but in house mm. where they would have total control over it. But yeah. Uh, Interesting. as a, to wrap up the story, I would not recommend against trying cacao if you're at all interested in the phenomenon of Soylent. Because it's so good. So you would recommend it? <clears throat> exactly. Or you wouldn't recommend against it? I wouldn't it. recommend against it. I'm hesitant to recommend it as a food replacement oh, because okay. it's so good. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> if you just want a beverage um, and you don't want 400 calories in it, I would recommend getting chocolate soy milk because it's right. probably a little bit cheaper and won't make you yeah. obese if you drink too much of it. I mean, it'll still make you obese, but you have to drink a lot more to get obese. Right. <laughs> um, so the next piece of follow-up here, hopefully it won't take too long, but am I ever annoyed that a an amazing engineering feat has been relegated to follow-up? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing, I know Rob. it is. I know, and we've talked about it, but oh, man, I'm, I'm so disappointed that this has become mundane f- not for me but for everybody everybody else so spacex is back they have launched um a new rocket they launched there were 10 
they're called Iridium, uh, like a fleet of 10 satellites that were being launched. And this, this time they launched off the coast of California instead of their, not typical because they've done it before, but they usually, most of their launches come off the coast of Florida. This time they launched off the other coast, which meant that uh, the rocket, I think it's basically cheaper for them. They'd rather do it there if, unless logistically they have to do it on the other side of the country just because of the logistics of getting a rocket back to the launch pad. I think if they're launching it from California, they want to be able to just, or if they're, they want to, they want it to land in the ocean that is the same ocean where they're going to launch it the next time. And so they hadn't been successful yet landing on a drone in California or off California, just because of the logistics of how like it's a little trickier to do. And the one thing that I wanted to mention in this piece of follow-up is that Yes, it was horrible that they had this setback that basically set them back six months when their uh, when the last rocket kind of exploded during the last refuel. Or I guess it, I don't think it was the actual fueling. I think it was the kind of a test fueling before, like the day before launch. And so, yeah, it was horrible that happened and it set the company back. But I think taking that six months to not only do an investigation but to kind of tidy up everything else about the procedure, it might have actually helped them because this was the cleanest not just launch and landing which by the way was successful so i guess yawn um (laughs) have a cookie yeah exactly (laughs) it was successful but also they had not only footage like live footage from the stream the entire way from takeoff to landing but the live footage which usually cuts out as they get down to the barge stayed up the entire time we actually saw in the live feed all the way down to landing to stopped and settled and the the footage that they decided to use on the live stream was the footage from the actual rocket pointing down so you could see live the like the it appears a speck on the ground and then it get bigger and bigger and bigger and then just stop and it was so cool to watch i was a little disappointed because i i was aware of the time i knew it was coming but I didn't uh, like, and so what I had done was I had subscribed to the YouTube SpaceX channel. And when I saw the, the live stream come up in advance, I subscribed, I said, notify me when this live stream starts. And I got the notification late. So I actually got it. Uh, when I actually opened, like got the notification and opened it up, it was already at T plus nine minutes. And oh, wow. Yeah. So, and, and the live stream starts before the liftoff mm. it's usually like a half hour before so i was pretty annoyed with the youtube like i should have been paying attention obviously but i was pretty annoyed because at t plus nine minutes i i had already missed the landing so i had to scroll back mm. in the live stream to actually see whether they had been successful or not because they were just watching the satellite but uh they were successful of course and i think the plan now that they're back kind of onto a launch schedule they're going to be not only trying to do the reusing of a rocket in the next couple months, but they're also going to be trying a launch of Falcon Heavy, which is, I believe it's three Falcon 9s strapped to a bigger um, payload. And that's the one that's going to be kind of a good test of whether they can scale up their rockets to eventually get to that Mars, um, what do you call that? I forget what they called it, but the Mars journeyer that will take like up to 10,000 people or something. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for SpaceX and I'm really glad to see them back. It means that now every two to four weeks we'll have a live stream to watch and for everyone else in the world not to watch. 
I'm glad that <laughs> I've, I've curated my Twitter stream. So at least if I go on Twitter as there's a launch happening, I will see a few people talking about it and saying, oh, they, they did it. Yeah. And posting videos and GIFs and stuff. So I have that small group of people on Twitter to, to watch with, but everyone else doesn't care anymore. <laughs> no. I don't think it's that we don't care. Well, actually, it is it's that you don't care. Don't care. <laughs> but it like we cared at first. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, yeah, this is this is old news. Right. Like, and um, you know, I don't know. Have you caught up on Hello Internet yet? There's an episode from a while uh, back that I'm going to reference. Yeah, I, I'm think I'm fully caught up on them. When they were talking about encountering intelligent life, they were saying by the time mm-hmm. we encounter intelligent life, it'll yep. be boring. I feel yep. like it's the same way with this. By the time this is fully trouble free, it will be boring to everyone, and it's already mostly happened. Yeah. And by the time we get to even like sending a ship to Mars, like that first one is going to be amazing, but then so fast it's going to be like, okay, uh, I'm taking the uh, 515 to Mars. And obviously it's going to yeah. take longer because it's going to be like a, an actual <laughs> trek, but it's going to be like taking a flight to Australia. It's not going to be. Right. It's not going to be like an epic journey like it, you could compare it to a sea voyage before planes existed like it'll take a while but it's not unsafe it's just a thing you do mm-hmm. what do you think what type of technological advancement would have to be <laughs> demonstrated or announced to have the effect of awe and wonder in today's public in today's public yeah so not not amongst us like but just the general population i this is gonna sound super biased i know but we're come we just passed the 10th anniversary of the iphone and i feel like that was the last one that i can remember where we just it came out of nowhere nobody was expecting exact like what they announced they might have been expecting a phone like something that made phone calls but when he announced that and showed everybody it was so drastically different than what anyone could have thought that they had gotten to mm-hmm. like it caused i th- i believe i've read over the course of years since it came out stories that both the heads of android and blackberry saw those not not to mention all the other phone manufacturers they saw them and they're just like well i guess we're scrapping all our future plan uh, blackberry less so but android was just like they had this prototype that was amazing but they saw the iphone there's like well back to the drawing board <laughs> we're gonna have to start right. over because this is just gonna change everything and then and then it did and notably now smartphones which weren't a, weren't really a thing are now all very iphone shaped which is just like it makes sense it's not like they're stealing it it's just it's it makes so much sense as an interface yeah yeah i think al- along that line you need something that's like i don't know something holographic mm-hmm. that you can interface with yeah i don't know like something as science fictiony as like, and again it's very not science fictiony because that's on the horizon yeah like it's not like an ar type interface mm-hmm. um but yeah you, you need something fairly groundbreaking and and like you said something that you don't see coming right. like you can't have leaks you can't have speculation on it mm-hmm. like i think speculation goes a long way to temper the it does yeah. reactions right especially um, controlled we've... leak speculation <laughs> yeah right like the headphone jack thing that was leaked quote-unquote like 18 months yeah. before it happened yeah but even with like contacting uh extraterrestrial or even artificial intelligence like there have been so many pieces written yeah. on oh what could this look like oh when will this happen is people are conditioned to just be familiar with that concept already yep. that if if it announces that hey we finally did it, it's like well yeah i read about this like a year mm-hmm. ago like what's the big deal yeah. right 
So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's very how, interesting how that works these days. Yeah, but yeah, I don't I don't know that it could happen. There there has been talk, but again, because there's been talk, we've now ruined it. There's been talk of um an a, some kind of partnership between Carl Zeiss, I believe it's called, the optics company, and Apple, coming up with some kind of apparently very advanced and very exciting AR slash VR head mm-hmm. thing, which I'm very interested in because including a, like Google Glass didn't necessarily go anywhere, but the closest it came to being adopted by the public was when eyeglass brands got involved, like companies that can actually make something that looks decent and not like something corny that only tech nerds would want to wear. Um, <clears throat> like Snapchat, the spectacles that they have, they're fun. They're not. Can we talk about that for a sec? Because I have no idea what these things are. Really? But I've heard it. I've heard it referenced twice. Once on Upgrade, and once I think yesterday or two days ago. There's an article that Vox posted about it or something. But I have no idea what these things are. Really? Really? You are becoming old. You are one of the olds now. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> they're they're a product by Snapchat, mm-hmm. and they link up with your phone with the snapchat app and you can take i think you can take up to 30 seconds of video and it's it ends up being a circular video so you can view them on snapchat like you can share the videos you take to snapchat and there's just a lens on your like above your eye and so you can view in portrait or um landscape because it's circular it'll just grab whatever mm-hmm. window you have yeah. open and so it gets rid of the vertical video thing. You can view it on any platform and you can actually kind of, they what they've done with the actual interface is really cool because you can rotate it live and it'll, using the gyroscope, it'll automatically crop out different parts depending on what portion you're looking at. It's it's really interesting technology, but like they, it's not a, it's not a product that you can just go buy in a store. They have a pop-up store that moved, that has been moving around the U.S., and just generating giant lines wherever it is because they like it's basically a vending machine with a couple people standing at it and you put in your credit card and it gives you a pair i think they're 160 bucks or something it gives you a pair of these spectacles and then you like they're very limited release on purpose so they're building hype Mm. and yeah there's not much more to it so it's a camera yep that like a bluetooth camera i guess yeah presumably a Bluetooth and wireless camera mounted on sunglasses in a cool-looking, like yellow plastic is it, frame. Is it cool looking? You're an old. <laughs> you don't know anything about what's cool anymore. I'm just like, it's all hype. Like yeah, that's the point of it, right? But it's a pretty cool idea for a product. It's Google Glass without the computer. Well, it's GoPro without the head mount, right? Well, it's both. It's all of that. Yeah. I, it's definitely not Google Glass. It's, a, no, it's Google Glass it, in the sense that it's on glasses. That's it. Right. It's more GoPro than Google Glass. Though. Sure. Because it's just a camera. Right. And it's like the first person yeah. view type thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. I would love to try it. I don't think I would use it to its fullest extent, but. You know, I wish that. This is kind of going off on a tangent, but the the way I wish that GoPros and I guess any head mounted camera would work is where there was, and maybe they already have this, but like stability functionality so that yeah. like when you move your head, your eyes stay focused on whatever it is you're yeah. looking at. But if you have a camera mounted, it's just going to point wherever your head's moving, yeah. which is why I hate watching first person <laughs> right. video because it makes me sick. But 
if these head mounts or just the software, the camera itself had like a stabilization mm-hmm. method so that it was more naturally tracking the way an eye would track mm-hmm. versus just following whatever the head is going. I think I'd be more on board with first person video, but I think there's some stabilization involved in this, but probably not okay. as much as you would want to have a stable right. video. And it'd be all like post-processing, like similar to how YouTube does their stabilization. Yeah. I don't think there's not any like gyroscope, gyroscopic stabilization going on. No. But uh, yeah, there, um, there you go. Um, Thank you for explaining that to an old. Another Snapchat explainer from Future Chat. (laughs) We're in follow up here for so long. The the last piece of follow up I, I have here is just something I wanted to mention because Man, this is a great product. So I've written several blog posts about my Bluetooth headphones, the Plantronics Backbeat Go. And last weekend, I guess, or sorry, not last weekend. It was the middle of last week. I accidentally left them in my shirt pocket and they accidentally got laundered. (laughs) And I left them for a week I did not touch them which was really really hard for me to do but I left them I let them dry out and they still work they went through an entire load of laundry (laughs) and came out functioning I don't understand how because there's a there's a there's a micro USB port on them that does Mm -hmm. get covered like you seal it up with a little piece of plastic but it's not a tight seal. I don't understand how they still function. I, I charge them. I plugged them in for the first time yesterday for a few, like two minutes, turn them on and they work. And then I charge them up fully and now they're fully charged. I'm so amazed by this product. I, I've been gushing about it since I first got them. But this, this is too much. Like I, the link I have here or the title I have here for follow-up is Miracle Headphones. And I really feel that way. Have you ever had a product survive an entire washing machine load? I've heard of the Pokemon Go Plus survive washer, washing machine uh, cycles. Yep. I haven't heard of phones doing so. Like, they, they're generally only submerged for seconds if they're dropped in anything because they're pulled out more or less right, right away. So, the, the liquid infiltration doesn't go into the depths of the phone usually. Like, it will start yeah. going into ports and the back cover if there is a back cover Mm -hmm. but other than that it's it's not saturating right in the water but on on your point about not knowing how it could happen like bluetooth speakers are basically just speakers and a bluetooth transmitter right so like unless it's on there isn't much that's going to get damaged except for it just getting wet Mm -hmm. so like you said if, if you let it dry sufficiently it should work that's what i expect so you think this is a feature not a bug (laughs) not necessarily a feature but a byproduct of the lack of complexity to them like in the same way that you can they say you can wash a desktop keyboard i guess if that's what they say i can understand i can believe that too people saying if you have like a plug-in if if it's not like a i don't know i I probably wouldn't wash mine because it's like backlit i have a feeling that might just go badly but uh (laughs) They say, like, if you have a standard keyboard, like, from the 80s, yeah. you can just throw in the dishwasher to yeah. clean it. No, and I, I believe that. Like, again, there isn't much. It's, like, 
electrical contacts below the keys that send signals to the computer. Right. Like that's right. So it's just looking for, I guess, a yeah electrical impulse from yeah. the keyboard. But like, I, I wouldn't believe a phone could survive unless it's waterproof. Washing machine wash, unless it's waterproof, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I just mean any just whatever phone not designed to be waterproof right. or in water. I don't think that that would survive because there's a lot more in it that could get shaken loose that could. Yeah, I could just get permanently damaged by mm-hmm. liquid. Like, if if you recall, my phone was introduced to some <laughs> liquid a while back, yeah. and I similar to you, I had to kind of let it sit in front of a fan for 24 hours. Right. And again, being very patient and erring against uh, pulling it out of the yeah. fan too early and just kind of... Just, just being patient, I, waiting it. Yeah, like lifting it up, making sure there's airflow above and below the phone, yeah. like all this kind of stuff, and it ended up working afterwards yeah. so um but again that that wasn't a full washing machine yeah. cycle that was just getting dunked in some water yeah. i've had things i think survive two minutes into a load where i'm like oh no and you go pull it out but this was like it was done it had been done for a while we took we went to move stuff to the dryer and julia said oh there's uh did you like have paper in your pocket or something and immediately i was like i had a kleenex in there and I know what else was in there. <laughs> yeah, it was bad, but they survived. So I'm, I'm not too sure about the long-term prospects. They could now die at any moment, but right. I feel like any tech product could theoretically just die at any moment. So yeah, for the first while after I started using my phone again, it would like behave kind of weirdly, like Android often does. I'm mm. like, oh, is this is this the end? Yeah. And then it was fine afterwards. Huh. I was like, okay. By this point, I'm just, it's not even in my head anymore. Right. It's been long enough that it's been working. Mm. Do you still see the whole put it into a bag of rice no. thing being floated around? Um, I mean, people talk about it all the time. I don't, Yeah. I when someone said that to me the day after this happened or the day that this did happen, I was like, rice is not that good of a desiccant, if at all. <laughs> Why would you put it in rice? Like, if you have a desiccant, put it in that, but rice is not that... <laughs> <laughs> well that like i still see that advice getting passed yeah. around and i've seen it debunked mm-hmm. or at least argued against fairly right. um convincingly but it still gets floated around so i don't i don't know what to believe but like you i i can't see that being very effective even right. if it was minorly like if anything it's the air gaps between the rice yeah, exactly that's just letting it dry and then oh it's in rice oh that must have worked mm-hmm. it's like well it's probably just the air yeah. It's because uh, desiccants actually actively pull water, water molecules right. out of the air. And as far as I know, if rice does that, it's not very much. Well, it's I think like rice is very shelf stable. So I, it's almost probably designed not exactly. to do that. Yeah, it, it <laughs> does absorb water when you cook it, but it yeah. doesn't suck it out of the atmosphere. No, no. Otherwise, after like a couple of months, you have a bag of mush yeah, if you had rice in your rice. pantry. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Glad, glad to hear your headphones are working. I am out. amazed and overjoyed because they like this is the pair that came as a replacement because the last ones got sucked up by a vacuum cleaner, and that's like that's the only thing that I've had that's ever destroyed them is literally going into and getting chewed up by a vacuum cleaner. Nothing else <laughs> has ever done. Like the battery doesn't seem to be affected. Nothing. Right. Like I've had them for like the sound, a couple years. The sound quality is the same. Like it's not garbled or no, I listened muffled. like I only I didn't pair it because I was just it only had like 50 seconds, like a minute or something of battery. Like as soon as I turned it on, it was like not connected battery low, 
<laughs> like immediately because I'd only charged it for like two minutes. But um, yeah, it, the voice that was saying that was totally fine. Sounded exactly the same. Nice. Have we talked about if you're going to get AirPods at some point? <laughs> I, want I don't think we so have. Bad. No, actually. I don't think we've even ta- we haven't even talked about AirPods on the show yet. I don't, yet, think, I don't think. And honestly, I love the idea. I love the idea so much. And I would be very happy with them if I had them. But at this point, I don't think to me they're worth $160 considering that these headphones, the Plantronics ones are worth are 60 bucks. They're so good. They're so solid. And I really like being able to just drape them around my neck. I like that they're connected mm-hmm. at the back. It does still introduce some issues because you like if you turn your head, they can get like stuck between your collar and your uh, neck where they'll kind of pull on it. So I understand the benefit and I think I would really get used to not being able to just drape them. But I'm okay for now not having them. Because they're $160. If they were $60, i would probably already have them. Right. I'm, sorry. When I say $160, I mean $160 American. I think they're $220 Canadian. Mm. Um, just, yeah. I, I'm i not made of money. And to get them, they'd have to be a gift or something. Right. Well, I think even you've stopped jumping on the early adopter first generation bandwagon. I have been coerced like he- not to. I wouldn't say that I've jumped off. <laughs> you've been pulled off yeah um but i think like the reviews i've heard from them and again they're very isolated and biased mm-hmm. not biased reviews but just the select the audience yeah, or the yeah. the source of them have been biased it's like there's use cases where it makes it worth the money right possibly if a you're an early adopter already or inclined to be an early adopter and you have a use case where it could benefit mm-hmm. you but I think, yeah, for the general population, they're not going to find a ton of benefit to them to make it worth the money they are right now. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, if, as far as the switching between devices, like, I'd argue most people only have one device that they use with their headphones. Yeah. I would benefit a lot from the multi-device switching, but I know that almost everyone else wouldn't. And actually, the Plantronics ones I have, they do switch. Like they do remember multiple ones at once and you can switch between them, but it's not as seamless as, mm. as the AirPods right. for sure. It's not right. like once you pair it to one device, it'll automatically propagate to the other devices on your account. It right. will just, once you pair it to multiple things, you can go into the Bluetooth settings on a, on a different device and hit connect and it'll swap mm. over. You don't have to right. repair, but uh, yeah, they're the AirPods seem really cool. And I'm sure I would get used to the fact they're not connected, but, and I'm sure I actually would like them that they're not connected because then the Bluetooth ones still do get pulled out. They just don't get there. It's much less interference than it is with wired ones that are going to a phone somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there's no, like, as has been talked about on many podcasts, there's no pulling, there's no pulling them out because there's nothing, there's no tension on them in any direction. Right. Right. So, Mike, will we do it? Will we get through an entire show only doing follow-up on past stories? What's this last what's this last story you put in here in follow-up? And why is it in follow-up? This isn't follow-up because like SpaceX, <laughs> we've we've talked about it so much and seen so much advancement that at this point it's just everything's just follow-up. It's right. old news. Because um with autonomous vehicles, there's in the States mostly, there have been a lot of coverage on states. Uh, 
adjusting regulations or coming up with new regulations to allow autonomous vehicles to be on the roads mm-hmm. and be tested um, under certain uh, restrictions yeah. or kind of qualifications and whatnot. So Canada is following suit with uh, contracting out companies to carry out research on autonomous vehicle operation on city streets. Mm-hmm. Um, so the government of Canada itself is putting out a uh, request for bidding to carry out this research. So I guess ind- like private firms are bidding to be paid by the government to prepare this research. Yeah. So presumably a company like Uber or Lyft or or just whatever other random company that yeah either i don't know i don't know if they have to have developed their own technology or just have access i don't know if anyone with a tesla can say oh we'll do your research like i don't Probably know how not. yeah that's supposed to work. but i expect as someone who's kind of working on their own technologies i would think yeah that's too. the main reason for this yeah and and just to analyze kind of the considerations that are needed when coming up with regulations or with traffic laws, or who knows what what the details are going to be. But it's you know formalized reports and all that kind of stuff that mm-hmm. that they're looking for. And um, the the headline said Ottawa will study the safety of driverless cars. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. But then it again, like we talked about in, in the Slack, it's they they mean the government of Canada, yeah. not Ottawa, which is very just, annoying. Like, say that, yeah, yeah, it's they're not Ottawa, it's government of Canada. Um, so they can actually carry out the research what looks to be anywhere like they just say where they're going to be doing in it. ontario That's, yeah is it just ontario yeah it's it's a pilot okay. program in ontario yeah okay so if if you're in ontario and you're looking to carry out some research and want to get paid for it by the government then you can submit your proposal <laughs> um otherwise keep an eye on it and see what comes of it but uh they're they're saying that they're only going to look at level two and level three automation so level two is a step below level two i think is basically like backup assist Mm -hmm. like parallel parking that kind of thing parallel park i think level three is like the parallel parking here let's i don't know if we have there's actually i'll we'll put it in the notes because we talked about before the different levels levels of autonomy um but i think it only goes as far as vehicle taking over functions like primary functional primary functions but the requirement for the driver to still be readily available at all times to intervene when requested Mm -hmm. kind of thing like it's not I think it's even maybe below where Tesla is at now with their vehicles. Yeah, capability. their vehicles are crazy right now. Yeah, they're probably like level four at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, stuff like stuff like yeah, parallel parking assist or or even blind spot checking and all that kind of stuff that'd be considered a level two or three autonomy, okay. which is what the government's looking yeah. at. So they're they're not going all in the same way that maybe a place like California is right now with their testing of Google's cars. Right and and whatnot but um it's good to see the government itself taking the initiative to take a look at this yeah versus just kind of like uber's had quite a bit of struggle again they're not even autonomous technology it's just a different way of doing taxis yeah but they've had enough hurdles kind of getting approval in local government so it's good to see canada kind of stepping up saying okay we're, we're going to get ahead of this before we're in that same position where we're going to have to play catch up once this technology is already widespread and people want to use it, mm-hmm. it's there's let's get ahead of this and put this in place beforehand. So that's yep. good to see. Did you see that video of the Tesla avoiding an accident that happened two cars ahead, like yeah. that started two cars ahead of it? It was kind of, I wouldn't say it's hard to follow, but I wouldn't have seen it 
like wouldn't have picked up on it unless I was told what I was looking for, kind of. Well, I think seeing something, like hearing the alarm, did you listen to the video with sound? No. I, I read the description of their, and maybe that was, that took away from the effect. Yeah. Because okay. the, the, for people who haven't seen this video, I'll try to, I'll find a link to it. Basically, the guy was driving a Tesla, had a dash cam running, and was just driving on regular traffic. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the alarm start, the warning started going off. And the car started braking, not violently braking, but gently braking. And the driver was just kind of confused. And then all of a sudden, the car in front of him hit the car in front of that car. And there, it wasn't, it wasn't like imminent danger for this driver. But it was not imminent danger because the car had already started braking before anything happened. But what, so what happened was the radar of the new autopilot, the very newest autopilot that actually doesn't just use the cameras, but actually uses radar that bounces off the car in front of it and sees ahead, detected that two cars up, some, the car had slammed on its brakes. The car ahead of this Tesla hit the car ahead of it. But by that time, the Tesla had already detected it and slowed down. So it was just like, oh, that's what happened. This, this car I couldn't see slamming on its brakes, but I'm fine thanks to this car. And it was, it was just such a cool view of technology. And so like it, it <clears throat> I don't know what the opposite, I guess, I guess the opposite of dystopic is utopic, but it almost seemed like the best possible future universe would be one where even where car accidents are super rare, when they do happen, they only happen because an accident is unavoidable mm-hmm. and everyone around, like everyone that would be ancillary to a crash gets to stay well away from it. I'll, I'll point out that if driver's ed taught me anything is that every accident is avoidable, Rob. Well, what about like black ice? <laughs> Other than you don't driving, drive. You weren't driving slow <laughs> enough and you didn't have your winter. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, like I, I know what you mean. Like, for all intents and purposes is unavoidable that right. this is stuff happens and yeah you want to be as safe as possible when yeah. it does like yeah all accidents are avoidable it's like yeah don't kick up gravel like clean the gravel off the highway so it doesn't get kicked <laughs> up into a windshield and like yes accidents are all avoidable right. but there yeah. are circumstances outside of that control yeah yeah um, but it, it was very very interesting to see just to just i'm just imagining myself driving and thinking of what my like the emergency maneuvers you'd have to do to avoid an accident like that once it happened but knowing mm-hmm. even just being like notified a few seconds before that like be a, be on high alert even if it didn't braking assist you would at least be like what's happening and then you once it happened you'd be much you'd be able to react to it much quicker because you'd already be ready to right. react but the fact that it also helps braking when there's a situ- situation like that makes it even better Right. Even when I'm driving, like especially now in the winter, when I'm on the highway or just on whatever road, I'll kind of randomly just think like, okay, if I skidded right now, yeah. where would I go? And like, what would I do? Yeah. And I, it's very involuntary. It's very random. It's like, I'll be coming down an exit being like, I'm still slowing down and mm-hmm. trying to be careful and safe, whatever. But it's like, okay, I'm looking around me. Like, okay, where could I turn if I needed to? Like, I'll look at other cars. Yeah. Okay, if he skidded off, like, where would I go? Yeah. Because... I've heard of so many times where just idiots will be on the road yeah. and you can be doing everything perfectly, mm-hmm. but they'll just be an idiot yeah. and get into an accident. 
and you get involved in that. So yeah. it's like, okay, well, you'll not be prepared, but you're still never going to do as good of a job as a computer is, who's always watching right. flawlessly yeah. at things that you can't even pick up. And especially when they can human. see not just the car ahead, but they can actually see what you physically cannot see. Right. Um, yeah. One thing, like I've just recently started driving. So most of my experience with vehicles is cycling where it's even more so like you're only going to be the victim of something (laughs) (laughs) right like yes you can hit a car like you can go hit a parked car with your bike but that's not gonna like you might get a bruise but or like you might break a rib or something if you fall weird but you're not moving at a high enough speed in almost all cases to do any real damage to either the car or yourself um well even if you do you don't have a momentum right yeah (laughs) <laughs> even even if your momentum for a human is high, it's nothing right. compared to a car hitting you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm always constantly thinking, um, if my wheels or the wheels of anybody around me suddenly lost traction and we were forced to just continue going in a straight line based on our momentum, where would we end up and how can I avoid a crash if that happened to any car? And so like on the highway, if I'm turning and there's, Unless it's like daytime dry road, I know there's no ice. I'm just like, I even try to like stagger entering into a turn if I can, but like adjusting a few kilometers an hour to not have any car be able to leave its lane and come into me just from loss of like not changing direction. And same thing with me into another car. Like I'll, I'll give an extra couple of feet of birth just, just in case something happens. Right. But other drivers probably aren't like that and that's the thing like that's still a danger even if you're a perfect driver right like there's there's times where i'll be coming up to an intersection and like the roads they look snowy Mm. but they don't look icy right so i'll come up and then i'll look around okay it's a clear intersection and i'll just i'll start slowing down as i normally would as if it wasn't yeah icy or if i didn't expect to have any hindrance but i put on the brakes and i was just like yeah. and i'm like oh crap and then i stick out you know five feet into the intersection yeah. because like there was slippery mm-hmm. like it may not have been ice but a slippery snow yeah. like packed snow on the road yeah. but because it was empty i kind of like let my guard down a bit yeah. and i'm like oh I'll just kind of like slow down normal but if there's yeah like cars or people whatever i'd probably give myself a bit a lot of extra room and start slowing down and whatever but um yeah a a computer wouldn't have that same lapse in judgment yeah sure so mike we made it through follow-up and we also made it through the entire length of the show do you have any last uh things you want to bring up or maybe discuss doing a brief after show uh i don't know we we can talk a bit about smart watches and in uh, in the after show we talked last week and there were just some some things I kind of wanted to mention sure. uh, in my experience so far with one. Okay. In that case, thank you for listening to this, this week's episode of Future Chat. We'll be back next week with more. Uh, you can head to unwindmedia.com slash future chat to listen to other episodes and to see a whole lot more. See you next week. Ciao. Yeah. What do you, uh, what's, what's it like the first few weeks with the watch? It's, it's very good. Yeah. I I don't know why. Like I'd ha- maybe have to go back to trying out the Moto 360 because I tried the Mo- first gen Moto 360 a while ago, and I I believe I reported back saying that I didn't find any benefit f- to it, any use case for it really for me. Okay. Um. But with this one, with the Gear S2, 
it's a completely different experience for me so far. Huh. Um, I don't know if that's because of the UI or if there is actual additional functionality, but just the way that you're able to do a lot more on the watch itself. Okay. It's yeah. It's is I'd say it's night and day because again, like Tizen is set up that it allows a lot more watch specific functionality. Like you can download specific apps for the watch. Okay. Whereas, and they essentially only live on the watch. Like for a lot of apps, you download a companion app for your phone that can talk back and forth, but all the functionality is on the watch. It's not the watch letting you interact with an app on your phone, the way that the 360 Mm -hmm. does. Um, And yeah, I don't know. And just the interface itself has been a lot more enjoyable to use. Like it's all centered around like circuit, like circles uh, using the bezel to turn and navigate through menus and all that kind of stuff. It's just enjoyable to use. Hmm. Um, and again, and again, whereas the 360, it felt more like I was just managing my notifications from the watch, right. but I couldn't do much more than that. Uh, but yeah, no, I've I've really enjoyed it. I actually got a, a replacement watch band for it too. Nice, nice. The, the, I don't know if they pronounce like Milanese or yeah, whatever. Milanese. So yeah, no, I've, I've really, really enjoyed having it so far. And I ended up putting Do Not Disturb on my phone yep. because I want to kind of do all my notification management through the watch. Right. So I basically turn on notifications for priority apps. Mm. So say like direct messaging apps I'll have as being pushed to the watch. Yeah. Uh, phone calls, obviously. Um, I think, yeah, emails as well. Just because I get emails for work that I want to have pushed yeah. to the watch. Because, if, because if your phone's in. on Do Not Disturb you. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So my And I put my vibration level on my phone down to zero. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't vibrate, even if one does come in if it's an exception to the do not disturb it still doesn't vibrate on my phone so it only vibrates on the watch so my phone is silent all day Mm -hmm. and the only thing that notifies me is the watch which is really nice um and then any other app that would otherwise give a notification is it still pops up on the phone Mm -hmm. but i only see it when i check my phone right so my phone's not vibrating all day for facebook and twitter etc etc but and distracting me from whatever I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But when I do decide to take a break or check whatever, then it's all there for me to look yeah. at. So I, I've really enjoyed that setup so far. I'm still kind of fine tuning it. Like I'm finding that like with Slack, I'm checking it more now. Yeah. Cause I don't know if there's new messages. <laughs> so it's like, Oh, did, Oh no, there's none. Yeah. Like, so I, I still have to kind of figure out what I'm going to do with that. Cause I, I don't like having that feeling of always having to check to make sure I'm not yeah, missing yeah, something. Yeah. But um, for everything else, I've, I've really liked doing that. And I, I know a lot of other people use their watch for that as well as kind of a filter for notifications to leave the phone to kind of build up notifications, have the, f- the watch notify them of important stuff. Yeah. You said you were um, getting multiple days of battery, right? Yeah. Right now, it's, it's still hovering around that 30% battery drain per day. Okay. Um. Because I, I, I don't do a ton on the watch itself. Like, I'll check the time every once in a while, I'll interact with a notification, I'll clear it, I'll archive an email, I'll read a message, whatever. Yeah. But I'm not on the watch doing stuff all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, all the notifications aren't coming to the watch. Like, if it was, it would probably drain a lot more because 
of social media stuff right. that I get notified of. Mm-hmm. But my watch doesn't vibrate for that, so it's fine. And it's actually quite aggressive uh, turning the screen off. Yeah. And I find that even when I turn my wrist to check the time, it doesn't detect that it's like a checking motion okay. all the time. Like, I don't know if it's like turning off right. or like going to sleep almost. And it kind of has to wake up a bit. Yeah, I think to some extent that's a combination of the it not necessarily being sensitive enough, but it might also be that it kind of needs to train your wrist to know what it what needs to be done in order for it to actually yeah. Activate. Like I know that I've gotten trained to flick my wrist if I'm going to be looking at mm-hmm. it. So like I I manual almost manually like activate the screen turning right. on, and if it doesn't work, I can usually like rotate it away and then rotate it back and then it'll trigger it right so i don't actually have to go and tap to see what's going on the time that actually now that i think about it the way the times that it doesn't activate the most is when i'm like lying down lying down yeah for me as well and i turn my wrist up and like it's just nothing like i can do it 10 times and it's not going to do it until i kind of like put my arm as if i was standing and then turning it and it's like oh okay that worked like but it doesn't like when you when you're lying down and just turning to look at yeah. it but i do think it still it goes into almost like a sleep or hibernation mode if you haven't looked at it in a while That's weird right it shouldn't it, it is weird it shouldn't but and again maybe it's just i haven't trained my wrist quite yet yeah. to to turn the right way but like if the trade-off is that much battery life i'm kind of okay doing that and worst case i just press the button to check right whatever like to wake it up and that's fine yeah like I have my, I now have, ever since they announced the feature for iOS where you can raise the phone to wake it up, I've been using mm. that and it's very reliable, but it also gets to, the, and, and especially when you're in bed, it it's relative orientation matters, but it's absolute orientation also kind of matters. So if I'm, if I'm sitting or standing upright and I flip my phone up, it works almost 100% of the time. But if I'm laying down, and I flip my phone into a position where it's in front of my face, that doesn't necessarily trigger it 100% of the time because hmm. its absolute position still isn't person standing up can read this easily now. Oh, okay. So it, I, it's, that's a really hard problem to solve because and it, people could theoretically be in almost an infinite number of orientations when they mm-hmm. flip their phone up to be in front of their face and you'd want it to activate every time, but it takes kind of that jolt for it to, to know. Because there are times yeah. where you where I actively wouldn't want it to flip on, especially right. when all the lights are off in a room. Like if I'm going to sleep or something, and I'm wanting to look at my phone, or I'm or I'm specifically not wanting to look at my phone, then I want it to either turn on only when I want, but but not turn on if I'm trying to have it stay dark. Like if I don't want to want to wake up Julia or like blind her with a bright light, just because I want to look at my phone, I want. Right. I want to be able to have control over when it turns on and off, but I want right. to have control by the way I hold it or the way I orient it. So it's mm-hmm. it's a fine line there. And it's kind of the same thing with the watch, but even more so because it's actually attached to you. So it's moving your body will always either turn it on or off. And I have the same issue sometimes where I'm not trying to look at the watch and it'll turn on because I, I and right. I'm aware of the fact that I'm now, I've now oriented my arm in such a way that I could look at it, but I'm not. Right, right. And the watch doesn't know. Exactly. <laughs> Stupid watch. And you can't really, yeah, you can't be mad at the watch. It's like, well, you moved your arm. Yeah. I thought you were going to look at it. But and, 
Um, the, the, the second gen Apple watch is even brighter than the first by a factor of two, I believe. And at night on the, like I've only ever had it on the lowest brightness setting. And at night mm. it is too bright. <laughs> it's right. fine, but it's, it's like brighter than I would need. And I can't right. turn it down any lower. I'm finding mine's the same. Like mine's, I think at 50% mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. It's at 50% brightness. Um, all right. Yeah. 50% brightness. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, weird. <laughs> It's at like 50%, but the actual arc is not at 50%. No. Anyway. Um, so, but yeah, like at night it's still too bright, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I want to have it lower. And I'm getting fine battery life, so I don't really have a reason to turn it down because I like that I can see it when I'm outside right. around or whatever. Yeah. So um, for iOS notifications, like are you able to have a granularity to be able to kind of set up a filter the same way you can with Android? You can set things up on a per app basis. It's not necessary. It, it's, and I think I fixed it by triggering because there's a there's a thing in Do Not Disturb settings where you can change it to mirror or to so it'll only be Do Not Disturb when the phone is locked. But if you're using the phone, you can either have notifications come in or not. And for a while, I had it that even if the phone was open, Do Not Disturb would be on. Mm-hmm. So n- this, nothing would interrupt the screen. And it wasn't ideal because it meant that phone calls didn't come through. Like I would just, I would be using the phone and I would like scroll down and I would see that I had a missed call, but it wouldn't have lit up the screen. Oh. And that to right. me is, in some cases that is what you'd want, but it right. seemed weird. And that having that setting on also meant that phone calls would never come to the watch and so turning that off, I believe now has kind of fixed that. And it well, isn't that big of a deal to me. Right. Um, the only time it really happen, has a problem is when um, usually Slack, but other like Messenger, Facebook Messenger do that as well, is when people are having a conversation that you don't care about or you're not right. part of at that time, you're trying to do something else where it'll just like constantly be showing you things that are going on. Yeah. But uh, yeah. No, yeah. No, and that's why I set up my do not disturb settings the way it is and the one thing I don't like is how the watch, the watch's vibration settings mirror the phone's vibration settings. Mm-hmm. So if I have, if I have do not disturb on the phone or just for that matter, just notifications set up so that they don't vibrate, then my watch won't vibrate. Huh. So that's why I have to set up the phone to still quote unquote vibrate, but turn the vibration down to zero. Right. So that the the watch still says, okay, this is supposed to vibrate, and then the watch will vibrate. Huh. So you Android so, has granular controls of whether or not the vibration gets tweaked per app? No, not per app. That's the whole thing. It's a, it's a system setting. Because I can turn off vibrate. Yeah. But like my watch will... I can turn off vibrate on my phone, and I can turn off vibrate on my watch. Right. The, this watch doesn't okay. do that. At least this watch there's is, no setting for it, it now. Yeah, it takes it takes the setting that the phone has. Huh. So I can I can do per app notifications on the watch and I can do per app do not disturb exceptions on the phone. And then if they're both set to to be exceptions or both set to notify me, then I'll get the notification on my watch. Right. But if uh yeah, I it's it's a kind of silly setup, but I've managed to get it to where it works. Okay. So but no, I'm 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 happy with it, and the only thing again that I wish that it could do is like take a call from the the watch. Like, there's no speaker, like there's a mic on the watch, but there's no speaker, so you can't actually take a call. 
So the mic is just for voice? No, how would... Yeah, 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 voice activation. But it doesn't... It wouldn't say anything back to you. Right, right. Huh. I'm, I'm now not sure that my watch says things back to me, but it definitely does have a speaker. Like, yeah, it does tones if you want yeah. to, right? Like dings or does something. Does your watch not make any sound ever? No. It can't. There's no speaker. Yeah, there's no speaker. Weird. Huh. Okay. Like... I can connect a headset and right, it will yeah, yeah. say stuff if there's a headset because it just, it's otherwise the phone would say it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Weird. Yeah. Hmm. But no, I've, I've really enjoyed having it and I'm, I'm glad I was, at first I expected <laughs> it to be more of like a, not a novelty, but like a nice thing to have, right. but not entirely beneficial. Mm-hmm. But I've found it to actually be quite beneficial. Yeah. I, I have found that the number of notifications I get that I need to instantly react to is really low. So it means that I use my phone a lot less. And I, if I yeah. do, it's in clustered chunks. Like I can wait to see if something happens. Like, but if a video, if I get a, like a YouTube, I, I get turn YouTube notifications on for certain channels. I want to get that notification because I want to kind of have a, be able to keep track of what has come in, but I mm-hmm. don't necessarily want to, I don't necessarily want to watch that video right away. Or if I get, if right. someone says something to me via text or via messenger, I want to be able to see it, but I don't necessarily need to go respond right that second. And so I can, yeah, I can optimize and know that I'm not missing anything, but I don't actually have to go and either find my phone or get it out of my pocket or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Like the people who need to get a hold of me right away know how to do mm-hmm. that. And like even for you guys in Slack, like I have Slack muted, like yeah. no notifications, but I still have mentions and direct messages yeah. notify me. So like you guys know that if you, do that you'll still get a hold of me right away yeah. otherwise i'll just check the messages whenever mm-hmm. so and in, in most cases with for, for slack with us it's fine that you don't check them right away like yeah, mostly exactly. just like sending passive messages like it, yeah. it's a message service it really is in the in the kind of direct you can sit there and have a conversation with someone back and forth but it's also kind you can send almost like emails or like posts yeah. where you're just like yeah this posts. happened yeah and check it out when you have time yeah I, I almost wish Slack could be set up more as a like a discussion board, mm-hmm. kind of in some cases. Like I think it's fine the way it is, but I think there's some cases where you want to have a topic and then talk about that topic and have it as more of a threaded conversation under something bigger. Yeah, and that that is kind of the fault of Slack, but it's also kind of the fault of humanity because you can do it. It just... It should, you almost need a better mechanism for create new channel around this topic. Right. It, it, you could almost have it so that if somebody, like any new, any message should have a button that would be like, that would be like create new channel. So if, if you, if you posted something, anybody who read that message could say, oh, I want to talk about this. And it would be like, you could hit create new channel. I know you can hit create new channel. But that's why I mean, it's kind of a person a yeah. society problem, not a, not necessarily a platform problem. But Slack could help by including a button that was like, because they already have like share message to channel. If they just had to create new topic or create new channel based on this message button, it, mm-hmm. it could automatically do some of that. And then like someone could suggest in a Slack conversation, Hey, want to go see a movie this weekend? And it would be like, someone could hit a button and like movie this weekend and it would create a new channel and throw people throw like that those two people, the sender of the message and the person that initiated it into that channel and automatically be like, do you want to add anybody else to this channel? 
it seems right. like they could do what you're describing. Yeah. But also... Or to have a thing yeah. saying, oh, so-and-so created this new channel. Mm-hmm. Do you want to join? And Slack then you could work in. that way yeah. more automatically. And so far, they don't, which is fine. Right. But it means that people don't use it optimally, I don't think. Because right. things do get sidetracked or you start talking about two or three different things in one conversation, which just takes you back to the same problem where like your general thread becomes Facebook Messenger if you don't use other channels. Right. Or even if you do, like our Pokemon Go channel in, in our Slack is often turns into like two or three different conversations where people are wanting to talk about specific things. And yeah. you could theoretically like branch into one-off conversations. Yeah. I think you just need... The way that Facebook is set up where you can reply to comments. Yeah, a mix like between. directly to comments, mm. right? So you can have the general comment thread and then sub-comment threads for other comments. Right. And then it will still notify you when there's new comments in that mm. and kind of... Direct, but I think it would get messy. So how about this? What if this button that I that I described earlier, what if that stayed embedded in the original comment thread but just said like there are now five messages in here there are now 10 messages in here right and clicking like in a sidebar. on it would send you to that new channel right uh, i'm very intrigued yeah we'll send this we'll send this audio file to slack now because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem that hard to implement they already have all the pieces there it's just a matter of adding yeah. an extra interface element but yeah okay anything else on smartwatches we got very diverged there no i think i think that's good I'm, yeah i'm excited to to have it i i like that it stays connected even bluetooth's been strong good and it has a wi-fi as well so yeah no very happy with it nice